Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode of Red Business, we have a bit of a foodie theme because we're going to talk about the reopening of the viaduct and we'll be popping down to Fota as well where their new lion is settling in. We'll also find out what kind of a summer they have had. But it is four years since our next guest spoke to us on Red Business. At that stage, he was celebrating the opening of his third outlet. Oak Fire Pizza has since doubled in size six outlets now in Clan, Bandon, Douglas and three in the city centre Andrew Lawn, you've been a very busy man <laughs> Hi Jonathan yeah it's been a busy few years um, tell us where those city centre locations are because the one we were talking to you last year and by the way it's four years which is, is fascinating uh, I didn't realise I've been doing this for four years but there you have it um, t- t- <laughs> that was Princess Street so where else have you opened? Yeah we were just about to open on Princess Street the last time I spoke to you so um, since then in uh, late 2020, we opened in Galabi Street up by the college, so we're, we're, we opened up there to service the student population. Um, oh, and and, and, and h- hungry feckers, those students, I'm presuming that, that that's one of your better ones. <laughs> they love the it? pizza. Uh, it is, yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's great. I mean, obviously, it, it gets a bit quieter in the summer there, you know, so it's, it, it's a good balance because we get a little bit a bit busier down in the city centre. So it's, uh, it's, it's nice that we can balance things out that way. Um, but uh, pretty pretty soon after we opened in Galabi Street, we we were straight into East Village in Douglas, um, and we opened our, our biggest location. So we've a, we've a fifty seater restaurant there in Douglas. Yeah, and, um, did, did, and didn't this all start out at the back of some container down in Clonakilty, if memory serves? It did. Yeah, it was it was a, a little cow trailer basically um, that that I bought off a farmer up in uh, around near Ballinine somewhere, um, and stuck a little pizza oven into it. And, and you know, working the festivals and the, the events, the parties, um, and you know, just it kind of materialised into a, a bricks and mortar location down at Skibbereen, and it just kind of grew from there, really. Yeah, and and now that you're looking back on it, um, considering that you also had COVID in the middle, um, and everybody yeah. was, was eaten and and taken away, and and you couldn't sit in the restaurants. When you look back now at, at the journey over the last four or five years, are you surprised at how much the business has grown? I am. I am. Um, I, I mean, COVID was 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 very challenging, obviously, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but we, we grew through it. So, I mean, we actually opened three locations within the pandemic. Um, so, I mean, it was always in the plans. It was, you know, a lot of it had been committed to before the pandemic ever showed up. So we, we just pushed ahead kind of with, with, with the uncertainty that went with it. Um, and it was very challenging, you know, obviously building restaurants and recruiting and training and all this stuff in the middle of a pandemic was very, very difficult. Yeah, but of course um, the, the the pizza product was was perfect uh, for takeaway. So you you kind of you were ahead of the curve there. Maintaining quality though is your big thing, isn't it? From from the day at the back of the horse is, trailer um, up to now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose you know sw- switching to to one hundred percent takeaway was was the only way we could keep trading, and we we didn't close for a single day in any location throughout the whole pandemic. So we we did we we uh, as they say pivoted, um, but. Uh, I suppose our our kind of core model had always been sitting in the restaurant, getting our pizza fresh from the oven, as crispy and hot and, and fresh as it can be. So sticking a pizza into a pizza box and sending it down the road for 20 minutes was never really part of what we wanted to be doing. But look, it became a, a huge part of the business. Um, but as you say, the maintaining that standard and ma- maintaining the quality was was a huge challenge. Now you've mastered the cork pizza. Uh, it's it, it's very much tweaked to the local market, isn't it? 
It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've all the local toppings. So we have the Clonakilty black pudding and the the macroom buffalo mozzarella and all that stuff. So um, yeah, they they like the meaty pizzas. <laughs> um, I'm sure that I'm sure the vegans won't be too happy to hear. No, but, uh, no, we, no. But you we, know, we we do we, we, we it's our best seller, you know. Yeah, we do we do like a, a, a decent time. None of your pineapple now. We we prefer a bit of Clonakilty black pudding <laughs> if it was around. Now, yeah. I, I have to say that during lockdown, um, I got a little pizza oven as well. Um, and I've been perfecting okay. the art. I am not anywhere close to your guys in Oak Fire, but people in <laughs> Ireland like decent pizza you know yes there are many many pretenders to the throne but if you give an Irish person an Italian pizza they'll much prefer it over the um, shall we say mass produced stuff that there can be out there yeah and and that's only a, a quite a recent thing I mean I remember when I started when I opened my first pizza place down in Skibbereen there was probably I don't think there was even 10 wood-fired pizzerias in the country and you know there's there's hundreds, they, they really popped up. But I, I think people kind of learned what good pizza is. So, like, the, you know, it's the the, uh, the mentality before might have been a pizza is a pizza and which one is the cheapest and, you know, it's, they're all the same thing. But but can there, I, there can is... I tell you what it is? It's the thickness. We we seem to be eating bread that happened to have cheese and tomato on top of it, whereas pizza is actually yeah. thin. It's supposed to be thin. Paper thin and crispy, but the, there's a fine balance. You know, it can be too thin and it can get a little bit soggy and a bit floppy. But oh, well, nobody um, wants if floppy. you get that balance no, right. Floppy's bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean you, you'd never serve floppy. No, no, definitely not. We, we try not to anyway. Um, so I, I, I laughed recently because Domino's, uh, one of your competitor brands, I'm sure, um, uh, they pulled out of the Italian market, which I think was one of the biggest regrets of the marketing team in Domino's <laughs> yeah. in history. I mean, would you be confident that Oak Fire now, um, have you got many Italians coming in who praise the pizza? We do. We have a lot of Italians working for us. So uh, we, we most of our chefs would be Italian. Um, so they... I mean, they're very passionate about what they do. And if we weren't doing it the way they like to do it, I don't think they'd stay with, you know, stay working with us. Mm. We actually traveled to Naples a few months ago um, to meet some suppliers and try to do some uh, um, supply chain deals. And, you know, we did a tour around with, with a couple of our chefs. So, you know, they know the, the real places to go and the, the, the places to see. And, you know, our, I, I personally think our pizza really stacks up. Against the best of the best. Well, like I haven't tasted it, I can agree. It most certainly does. It's it definitely leagues ahead of my own. And can I ask you what's next though? Because you, you've your six outlets now. You you are the kings of Cork Pizza. Where where does Oak Fire go next? Uh, well, I mean, I suppose we we have our sights kind of beyond the borders of Cork to a certain extent. So like we we don't want to restrict ourselves to to the to the the Rebel County, but. Um, We'd like to offer it to to people, other people around Munster, even even further afield. I suppose in the shorter term, we're we're kind of trying to move into the corporate space a little bit. So we've a lot of corporate customers now who who put in um, big orders with us. You know, recently there we did an order for a big company in Cork for over a thousand pizzas. Um, so you know, the, we're able to cater for that uh, volume of stuff as well. Um, and as well as that, we're actually we're kind of going taking a step backwards a little bit and going back on the road with a mobile unit to kind of basically back to where it all started. Um, so we've we've set up a new unit, which we're going to be touring around the county with and doing a few pop-up locations um, and doing a few festivals and events, whatever okay. whatever comes up. Well, it's it, um, I'm intrigued. I'm already there. Um, what's the website for people to look you up, Andrew? 
oakfirepizza.ie oakfirepizza.ie Andrew Lone uh, fingers crossed we're having another chat in four years time and you're telling me about your plans to take <laughs> over the world <laughs> absolutely Andrew thanks so much for taking the time thanks Jonathan talk to you soon our next guest is in the process of reopening a landmark on Cork's hospitality map. Once known as the Viaduct Inn, the renovated premises on the old Bandon Road is beginning a new life as the Viaduct Cafe, Market and Restaurant. It's part of the Clishta Hospitality Group. And Brian Bowler, Regional Operations Manager for Clishta Hospitality, is with me. How are you, Brian? Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Lovely to talk to you again uh, in your new role. Of course, we would encountered you previously in, in the Montanati Hotel. Tell us how things are progressing out of the viaduct. Yeah, progressing really well now. Yeah, we're, um, we're on the final countdown. We're, we're, we're planning to open uh, pretty soon. Uh, September 12th is, is our opening date. Uh, so it's all systems go now and lots of uh, finalizing to be done. Um, there's still a few few builders on site. So uh, it's it's undergone a, a huge kind of transformation over the last couple of months. And um, yeah, we're just coming to the end of that now. So it's busy, busy now as we as we build our team, get our team together and get ready for, for the opening on the September 12th. It's, it's such an iconic location isn't it you're, you're directly under the viaduct there was always a business trading there and many people were were saddened to see it go but of course it was only temporary until you guys got in there and renovated it how are you going to bring the people back though because when you close a the business they can be a little slow to return yeah, there can be. I, I suppose, firstly, Johnson, it's a real privilege and an honour to be able to to bring um, a business like the Viaduct back and in such an iconic location, as you said. So we're, we're really kind of honoured to, to be able to do that and really excited about it. Um, you're right, yeah, it, it does take a little bit longer to get to get people, um, particularly from a recruitment point of view. I, you know, certainly before the doors are opened, it's a little bit slower to get people in. And uh, we're, we're still recruiting for a number of positions there. And uh, uh, we're confident that uh, over the next kind of week or two, we will fill the vast majority of those but certainly once you get your doors open and people can see it and touch it and feel it and experience it then uh, from, a, from a recruitment point of view as well as a customer point of view it's certainly uh, easier to get people in, in through the door as well you know but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting project to be working on and uh, be, to be associated with it is, is a real honour Well you promised me a cafe, a market and a restaurant what's the difference between the three of them now? Yeah, I suppose it's, it's the way um, the, the viaduct is going to be split up. I suppose we're kind of, I suppose, introducing to, to the viaduct for the first time. I suppose a, a kind of a 30-seater cafe, which will serve a, an all-day menu along with kind of a brunch, brunch specials as well every day. Um, I suppose a kind of a retail element to it as well in the front section of the um, of the viaduct where, you know, you, you can pop in and you can, you can buy it lovely fresh freshly baked bread which is baked in house every day lots of cakes and nice sweet treats that you, you can buy and take home with you like you know it's not just about coming in and sitting down and enjoying a scone and a cup of coffee but you can you can take a taste of the viaduct home with you as well like you know and uh, you know everybody's so busy these days Johnson you know yourself you might be rushing home in the evening it might be six o'clock you really don't fancy cooking and um, you, you can pop into the viaduct and get kind of a beautifully produced ready made meals that are made in house fresh every day and mm. uh you can get lovely things like you know fish pies or beef stroganoffs and so on, uh, or even roast of the day that you can you can take take home with you and, and enjoy at home. You know, so it'll take the the stress out of a okay. preparing food. I, I, I like and, and it would take stress out of my life. Brian is very much welcome in it. Uh, let's put it that <laughs> way. I mean, there there are lots of other uh, brands that have grown and and have incredible reputations. The likes of the Wild Goose or maybe the Barn Restaurant uh, that have built up a really loyal following. I presume it's that kind of market you're going for. But they both trade on very good desserts so Brian Bowler you better be pulling the stops out for after the mains are you? 
Absolutely. We have a, a team of pastry chefs ready to, to delight everybody when they come in. No, it's, it's going to be a real feature, I think, of our menus, the, the desserts. And uh, certainly, again, as I said, like, you know, the, the, the sweet treats that you can buy and bring home, like you can delight the whole family. And if you want to remove the beautiful packaging we're going to have, Jonathan, and pretend that you baked it at home yourself, you will <laughs> absolutely get away with it. How dare you accuse me of such a thing, Brian? <laughs> I'd, I'd never fall for that particular trick. My family certainly wouldn't either. So you're aiming for opening in the next couple of weeks, but it's part of the wider cliche to hospitality group which not a lot of people will realize is a cork-based company how many businesses uh, are managed now by Klishta? We currently operate 13 hotels across the country uh, so the viaduct is going to be our first destination dining offering so uh, again it makes it a, a really exciting venture for us um, it was Klishta Hospitality was founded by Paul Fitzgerald and Sean O'Driscoll um, and this was we, we've got a, an ever-growing team of uh, hospitality professionals at Klishta um, so we're, we're really kind of uh, I suppose ambitious in terms of uh, where we're going to go in the future and uh, um, like I suppose like it's grown so much over the last kind of couple of years like we, we currently employ over 1500 employees across uh, the country now in, our, in the, the 13 hotels and the, the soon to be viaduct as well so exciting times and um, lots of plans uh, further down the road so I'd say uh, watch this space uh, for Clish Hospitality Very and uh, a, few, a few other openings Okay well if you want to wet your whistle uh, for ahead of the opening of the Viaduct have your website up there now tempting us all have you? So the website is theviaduct.ie um, and we're currently getting that all up to date there now at the moment so uh, pretty soon now you'll be able to view uh, lots of uh, of menus and, and our food and beverage offerings there at the moment if you do want to log on to it you'll see available roles for anybody who's looking for a job in hospitality we're recruiting a number of positions um, from chefs to to uh, waiting staff and supervisors so um, th- there's details of the available roles okay. there at the moment but it'll be an all singing all da- dancing <laughs> website with menus and the whole lot oh I didn't mention the sweet trolley don't forget the sweet <laughs> trolley Brian Bowler regional operations manager for Klishta Hospitality at working on the reopening of the Viaduct Cafe Market and Restaurant thanks so much for talking to us Brian thanks Jonathan the team at Photo Wildlife Park, well, they're rounding up a busy summer season and they've got big plans for the coming weeks with a major building job getting underway with that and the arrival of the new Asiatic line and much talk about how you can do business in the current environment. We thought it'd be a good time to check in with the director of Photo, Sean McKeown. Sean, how are you? Very good. Um, feeling uh, feeling well after a decent summer and... Uh, Looking out at the pouring rain, it's uh, it's good to be inside. <laughs> yeah, no, not great, uh, not great today when we're recording. Uh, it, it really isn't much that uh, would bring you outdoors. But you did have a good summer, though. I mean, the, it, it was good weather, although probably a little bit hot for you at times. Yeah, there were there were some days where it was a little bit hot, and people probably spent um, more time at the beach during the very hot period. So, um, as usual, it wouldn't be as good for us. But, um, you know, the lack of rain is a good thing and uh, it keeps us keeps us reasonably busy. Yeah. Uh, I suppose the other thing that happened this year was a lot of people left the country on, on you know, we had a huge benefit last year from the staycation uh, effect. But this year, um, a lot of those people have left the country and gone to the sun in another country. Yeah, exactly. They so left the sun it. to go to the sun somewhere else, but that's the problem when you're booking in Ireland. You don't necessarily know when the weather is going to be good. But how did animals deal with the hot spell, Sean? Because it's not something they're used to, even if in their natural environment it's probably a little bit warmer than it would be in Carrick Tool. Um, for most of them, 
it you know they cope very well with it uh, once they have enough water and uh, areas to either you know get into ponds etc um, they have shade and the various to 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 you know to go into houses that would be a bit cooler if needed um, I, sp- I suppose the bigger animals things like the bison um, would feed it a bit tougher than most uh, but they 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 all survived and uh, no huge issue with them Mm. Let's talk about your newest residence, uh, a lion by the name of Yali. How is he settling in and how have his uh, new uh, partners taken to him? It, it's taken him a while to get settled in because he came from um, a zoo in Paynton down in, in, in the south of England and he had been on his own for um, a while. Uh, we we had hoped to have him here sooner than... Um, um, about three or four months sooner, but it, because of Brexit issues and uh, you know changes in, in 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 legislation for the transport of animals, etc., it it uh, made it difficult for for us to get him over here. But he's 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 settled in now. He's getting used to the females. He's interacting uh, with them uh, very well, and uh, um, he. He's looking very handsome at the moment, I'll say. <laughs> Even in the rain. He's holding up well. Um, th- he's a big draw, isn't he? Because obviously the last line you had, unfortunately, uh, succumbed to kidney problems. He was a good age and he provided you with lots of cubs. Uh, but I'm presuming you're hoping that Yali now, uh, with his distinctive roar and big fancy mane and, and the possibility of offspring, will be a big draw for you over the next few months. Yeah, um, we are um, hoping that Oh, early next year that we would have young young cubs roaming around the uh, lion enclosure. Um, we just have to wait and see. He's um, the females haven't started a cycle yet. We don't really expect them to cycle till sort of later on in the in the year, and um, we'd expect cubs probably around uh, sort of around March April of next year. So it's mm. it's um, it's a wait and see. Because yeah. uh, there, there are two females, one has bred very well, the other one not so well, and uh, there's a bit of politics between the the two females, and uh, who 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 uh, they're both sort of um, vying for his interest on top of the other. Yeah, a little bit like Fair City, but in lion form. Uh, you you just have it there on display. I, I mentioned the big building project, Sean. What's that? That's a new education, conservation and research centre. Um, it's sort of a tagline, understanding our sustainable future. So we we, we have a, a, a small education centre here that can hold up to about 150 students. Um, and because the environment and ecology is becoming much more a popular item in, in, in um, the science curriculum, um, we uh, have started to extend, extend our education centre so that we can have, accommodate more students. We have about eighteen or 19,000 students a year coming to, to um, one day long specific courses on ecology, conservation, biodiversity. So the, um, the idea of this, we, we sort of hopefully nearly double those numbers over the next few years. Um, and it's given us the capacity to do that and, and, and basically to do other things. Mm. Um, we have had a huge year in terms of the conservation work around native species. Uh, we've had nine um, 
corncrake chicks that were hatched here um, that were actually rescued in Donegal uh, as eggs and then hatched and reared here and then sent back to to um, Fannin Peninsula in Donegal. Okay, so we we, hang, we, we cor- corncrakes up in Donegal. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, well, they came as eggs from the. They were consummated <laughs> up in Donegal. Don't be getting technical uh, now, Sean. They're yeah. cork corn crakes. We we claim them, and we've also got the cork bison that went across uh, to the UK as well that have been released back into the yeah. wild. And apparently, I was reading recently, they're absolutely flying it. Yeah, yeah, they they, they do very well. Uh, we've involved in various uh, release projects for for bison. Uh, in Poland, uh, Romania, northern Spain, and now in the UK. And we have another female just went off uh, two days ago, three days ago, um, and uh, is now in Tier Park, Berlin, and will be going from there with another, you know, they, we send it there to bond with other females that have been um, sent to that specific location. And then um, after about a month, they'll they'll move to Azerbaijan for for release in in uh, the wild there. So wow, it's a, okay. It's a it's a big program in terms of Europe because it's Europe's largest mammal, and uh, they really do have a, a big effect on the environment, and they help to maintain and I suppose manicure the the, the woodland and forest. It's a great story, a great success story, and part of what you do in photo. It's often not talked about enough. The challenge going forward, Sean, everyone's worried about cost of electricity and, and running costs. I'm presuming photo's not immune to that. It must be causing you as much anxiety as it is homeowners and businesses right across Cork. Yeah, it's it's an issue with all businesses, including ourselves. Um, I suppose we'd have more use of it from the animal side in wintertime just to, to heat buildings, etc., um, but over the last number of years, we've been um, upgrading the facilities for the animals here uh, with new, you know, new housing, better insulation, and the use of uh, more sustainable, um, low carbon, low um, uh, fossil fuel usage. So we've been using a lot of air to water, water to water, and um, geothermal. Um, heating systems, uh, which uh, which have been working very well. We the tropical house is actually heated by a um, an air, a water to water system where we've got water pumped from the main lake up to a um, a large sump at the back of the penguin pond uh, of the penguins, and there are coils in that sump. Uh, the heat is extracted from that water, and that water then flows back out through the okay. penguin enclosure in, in, into the lake. Um, and then eventually out to the sea. So it's actually cooling the sea uh, and um, the heat extracted from that then then through a heat attract, uh, um, a heat um, recovery system um, provides the heating for the um, tropical house. Okay, so, and, and, and there we have temperatures uh, up to 28 degrees. I was going to say, and, and it, it works very well, having been in the tropical house recently, I can tell you that much. Sean, it's fantastic to see the park is still doing so well. Uh, well done on a brilliant summer. Best of luck with the construction projects and uh, looking forward to seeing you down there soon. Yep, look forward to seeing you and uh, bringing, showing you a new lion and perhaps a, 
Um, one or two other babies we can't talk about at the moment. <laughs> well, fingers crossed we'll see them well. Uh, Sean McKeown uh, from Photo, thank you very much for that. That's it from this episode of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, all episodes are up online right now, along with our video series, Red Business in Focus, on the website, redfm.ie. Kieran McDonough was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.